Life is unfair. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, uh, the song by song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and that radio announcer voice you hear is Jared Pike, and we are going to talk about the They Might Be Giants song, Lie Still, Little Bottle. Or as I would say it, Lie Still, Little Bottle. <laughs> The funny thing is that whenever I go to a um, uh, a voiceover voice, yeah. I revert back to this cartoon Uh-oh. called C Lab Twenty Twenty One. You know, you know the show. Yeah. And do you remember the Grizzlebees commercials? <laughs> yeah. So Grizzlebees was some sort of mashup of Applebee's, Chili's, the uh, you know Outback Steakhouse, <laughs> Grizzlebees, you know, kind of like that. And then then they'd have like these pitch shifted Cowabunga, you know, like. <laughs> and then for some reason, Cowabunga is my go-to when I do a voiceover voice. Yeah, I'm kind of cursed because this is my real voice. This is. <laughs> This is the way I talk. It I'm sounds with a wonderful voice. It sounds like a radio announcer. So, you know, when I do voiceover, I, can we turn off the radio announcer voice? No, it's my real voice. <laughs> this is the sound of my voice. But with podcasts, <laughs> yeah, podcasts nowadays, you almost have to have an unprofessional voice to it. That's the aesthetic to podcasts nowadays. So it, I'm kind of up a crick here. It, it's, yeah, it, it's weird because there's some podcasts where... Like so, I look through. I listen to a lot of podcasts because I like them, but also almost just like studying them as a, you know, they're they're a very legitimate form of. Um, I mean, I don't know if you'd call them an art form, but a form of entertainment that is very widespread. And the proof is, you know, when I started podcasting in like 2012. We weren't really pushing for guests. Mm. I mean, I did end up getting a couple guests that were musicians of some, you know, little bit of notoriety. And then Best Mis- Bid- Best Midwestern picked up in 2015. Yeah, we just had our fourth uh, anniversary of that one. Uh, we started getting bigger artists, mainly because my co-host, um, Scott, he worked for the magazine Alternative Press mm-hmm. for 10 years. And so we were getting a lot of uh, bigger name indie and punk people but then with this podcast it's it's taken off so quickly and uh, i don't know like my download numbers are pretty good so far the twitter has exploded um it's already eclipsed the best midwestern twitter that's been going for four years (laughs) and in followers and podcasts are are obviously legitimate in the fact that i was already able to get danny and marty to be on it that's amazing as well as guys that tour the world in other bands bands that i like um and who I'd want to talk to anyway. And it's just, it's almost like a nice icebreaker. Like if you see some musician that you really like, you meet him after the show, and you're like, hi, oh, I, just, <laughs> I really like your songs. But here I'm like, I'm getting to talk to a musician I like about a different band. <laughs> so you've got a topic already set because people have asked me, like, um, well, how, how did you stay so cool with uh, Marty? I mean, part, part of the reason with that is that he almost seemed more nervous about it than I was, I think, because he's not used to being the interview guy. Right. You know? Nobody so, nobody wants to talk to the drummer. It's just... Which is sad. Yeah. Sad. That's um, universal. Yeah. Um, and I I mean, I consider drums my, my best instrument, actually, at this point. Um, well, and... I remember was there, was, there was an interview on MTV yeah. back in the 90s. Somebody interviewed R.E.M., and I think it was like a contest winner got to mm. interview... REM and this guy was so nervous. He was such a mess. 
he he kept asking Michael Stipe, um, so like, what's your favorite REM song? And Michael Stipe <laughs> is right there, and you're asking him. And then he said, "Well, so rather than so, saying what's what's here, the favorite song of yours, yeah, and he's saying what's what, yeah, that's funny. Uh, here's where I I would rank your albums. Um, Green is first, and then Mott's. He was telling Michael Stipe the ranking of his albums. Your worst album is. <laughs> oh, well, let's not get it. That's a separate podcast. But uh, yeah, but anyway, I yeah, I I'm a big fan of '80s REM in particular. Um, I'm a big fan of '80s college rock, for lack of a better term, right. indie rock, that kind of Which stuff. Which is where the Giants kind of got their start. Somewhat. Yeah, they they conquered alternative radio when it was in its infancy. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people. Um, I mean, I wouldn't call them a post. Uh, I'd call I wouldn't call them a punk band, but I'd almost call them a post punk band. In that Flansburg especially grew up on a lot of punk rock stuff, and I think they kind of fit in that scene in that. In aesthetics, you know, they did play with some punk bands and they played with some hard rock and bands like, you know, the replacements were a total mess. Like they were more of, I don't know, like a pub rock band, you know, just like a gritty rock band. But um, they were very punk in their um, behavior, I yeah. suppose. And uh, and I think, didn't they might be Giants play with the Butthole Surfers sometimes? I mean, there's, <laughs> there's like a whole lot of crazy bands they've played with. Because they didn't really fit in, right? And what's more punk than not fitting in and right. not giving a crap about fitting in? So right. I, I consider them a band that is very punk in aesthetics, and even today they're DIY. They release stuff on their own label. They're essentially like everything's in house. They don't have to ask anyone's permission mm-hmm. to do anything or get anyone's approval. I mean, the, no major label band could release a song every Wednesday because. <laughs> uh, they would they would have to to get that many songs out. They'd have to write two hundred songs before the label would approve a year's worth of Wednesday songs. Well, but it's always been like that. That that's what dial a song is. That's a thing that nobody else did. Again, in the eighties, there was they, it was making fun of dial a prayer when you dial a church <laughs> to have someone pray for you. you. Said, oh, dial a song. They did it as a joke, and then. It kind of caught on, and they put the ads in the Village Voice, and uh, yeah, and it became it really kind of genius. a trademark of of, and then e music, same thing. Yeah, in the nineties, they were releasing MP3s before anyone else did, before when it the was iPod not even existed. Yeah, when it was not easy to download MP3s. Right. Um, yeah, you got to really want Long Tall Weekend because it's going to take you a couple <laughs> hours to download it. Um, yeah, it's so great. I was actually talking to. It, it's fun because because. Because you're a super fan. Would you consider them your favorite band? It's one of the two bands that... Yes, (laughs) the Beatles and They Might Be Giants. I know most of their catalog inside and out. Sure. And I can discuss it intelligently. You're mentioning Dial a Song like... For most of the people that listen to this podcast, we don't need to tell them what Dial-A-Song is. Mm-hmm. Like, we can talk about it, but we don't need to be like, so they have this thing called Dial-A-Song. <laughs> I've actually got... Oh, nice. The the magnet. The van magnet on the side of the stereo receiver there. And, um, but these two I had on last night, they knew of it, but they didn't know what it was. And they thought it was just kind of some like hokey thing that they came up recently. They did not know it was from the 80s and it was on literally on an answering machine uh and about the ads and all that so so i got to tell them about it briefly and hear their reactions to it and they're like that's fucking genius because i yeah and i even you know as we were talking about it i'm like you know what they invented the first streaming service kind of (laughs) because you'd you'd call very limited bandwidth (laughs) yeah i mean you're you're not buying a copy of it you don't have it to own you just listen to it it's streaming in your ear on the telephone to you and you alone and when the tape's over that's it you want to hear it again you got to call again or go buy the album version whenever they record it onto an album the first streaming service and like streaming service they're bootlegged, and people found ways to yeah. save things for themselves, and we're so glad they did, yeah, so because we, yeah, we otherwise the, all of those songs would have been lost forever. And I love that it's so it's so obscure that even the wiki doesn't know when those bootlegs came out or when some of the dial-a-song versions came out, because we were listening to the dial-a-song version of Hypnotist the Ladies, mm. which is the YouTube, the bootleg, it's on Power of Dial-a-Song 2, 
And so it's on YouTube, and there's just so many, there's digital artifacts as well as like whoever recorded it off their phone receiver originally. So it's just like mangled all to <laughs> hell. But in like the coolest way, they're like, whoa, this sounds really bad. I'm like, that's because it's from... It's from a cassette tape through a phone line to yeah. a cassette tape through a YouTube <laughs> and on a cassette tape for 20 years and then onto yeah. a, a website. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I and I love that because it does make it seem like you're like digging for treasure and you've found this thing and you're like, this is incredibly dirty, but I bet if we brushed <laughs> it off and uh, polished it up a bit, you know, like you were talking about upstairs about antiques, you know, like having a patina on them. Like you mm-hmm. don't want to, I don't want to hear a crystal clear version of that dial-a-song because we've got it on Apollo 18. The dial-a-song version is crappy sounding and I like it that way. Well, and there are songs... <laughs> A lot of them on Mink Car. I know you're a fan of Mink Car. But oh, yes. I have heard a lot of those songs way before. Sure. And those were the versions that I knew. And even some so, came out on Long Tall Weekend. So, yeah, like, so when I, Mink when Car I, was like the third version of some of them. When I heard them high fidelity, it was like, I don't know if I like it as much because. Is there one in particular? Um, Hovering Sombrero was on there. Um, when, when about do you think you heard that first? How much before? Because that came out on 9-11. It came out in 2001. Uh, how long before that had you heard it? In the 90s, certainly. Because yeah. um, let me tell you, if, if now's a good time to kind of get into sure. how I came to the band. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I, I was the same way with many guests. I saw the Tiny Toons episode, but I also saw Istanbul on MTV because it was this animated video. Yeah, so it was very the, the unusual. The proper music video, not the Tiny Toons one. Right. Yeah. And so I knew that song. And then when I, so when I saw it on Tiny Toons, I was like, oh, I've seen that. And Birdhouse in Your Soul, also, that was regularly on MTV. So I knew this band, and I knew how weird they were. Yeah. And they had these weird dance moves, and <laughs> Flansburg smoked a pipe. It was just yeah, such the... a weird thing, you know? <laughs> I love the pipe in, in, it, in I, I wonder if some record company person told him, hey, you need a trade. You know, Linnell has the accordion. You need a pipe or something. <laughs> yeah, you need a distinguishing uh, visual but element. It, it didn't stick around for long. I know that much. But I'm, I'm sure it was his choice. I, I feel like, <laughs> I no. mean, I may be wrong about this kind of stuff. And if the wiki doesn't know, then then I'm not going to know because they 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 the wiki knows pretty much everything. I've never sought it out, but yeah, thinking about it, I don't think a record company would tell them, "Hey, you need." You need William Allen White in your videos. Yeah. You know what the kids think is really cool? Smoking pipes. <laughs> Wrong kind of pipe. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all I knew of them until I went to college in the, in the mid-90s. And Where'd you go to college? I went to a small Christian school here in Indiana. I'm from Pennsylvania originally. And so I was very sheltered my whole life. So what, what town, my, my family, my both um, mom and dad are from Pittsburgh, uh, so far, furthest... Uh, yeah, West I'm, of Pennsylvania. What town in... Uh... I'm from Shippensburg, which is in the middle of the state, in Amish country. Okay. So, out there. Were you raised Amish? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, we did have MTV. I, I, we didn't raise any Yeah, bar. I guess that's true. You wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't have right. seen MTV. But I was kind of... I never went to concerts. I never went to the city. Yeah. I, I, I was... That was my whole life was that little town. I'd imagine, you know, you'd have to go several hours either direction right. to get to most concerts because... Pittsburgh is three hours that way. Philly is three hours that way. Yeah. Washington is three hours that way. So, we just stayed where we were. A geographical anomaly. And then uh, when I went to college, uh, again, a very small town in Indiana, as all of them are. What college? Uh, Taylor University. Okay. Wait, where is that? It's over between Marion and Muncie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of my my first time of being around people who were kind of a little bohemian, as yeah. it were, who had musical tastes that weren't just the, the pop stuff I heard on the radio back at home. Mm-hmm. And one of them was They Might Be Giants. And, I, and my friend made me a tape of the first two albums because it took 10 hours to drive from my house to university. So <laughs> I had 10 hours and one tape of the two f- albums back to back. And my car had an auto-repeat yeah, you know it would reverse and play it all again. So I just played that for t- for ten hours. So I got to know those first two albums very, very well. Man, and I, then I, I get to talk about everything Ray's wrong again tomorrow. Oh, for an nice! Episode. The very first oh, one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It kept kicking back to everything Ray's wrong again. Yeah, God, it's such a good start to an album. Yeah. Dun, dun, 
Yes, <laughs> like it's like we're into it now. Yeah, so great. And, and that's what, you know, I miss that time too. Like we were, before we recorded this, we were upstairs chatting about, uh, we were basically shaking our fists at the children. Like, back in my day, you only owned 10 albums. <laughs> And that's all you had to listen to. You had the radio. Right. And then maybe that would convince you to go buy a new cassette or CD. Even and mix- you would listen to it a million times. Yeah, even mixtapes took a lot of effort to make, and yeah. not everyone did it. And uh, things I made a like, ton of them. Yeah. Things- I, think, I think my girlfriend in high school got one a month because <laughs> I liked making them. Yeah. And I was constantly buying new CDs, and I was essentially like, she essentially didn't have to buy CDs because I bought all of them and would make her, you know, little sample mixtapes. Were you a mixtape guy then? Oh, yeah. 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 And plus stuff off the radio. Yeah. That, I mean, even that, but uh, in, in the era of cassette tapes. So when I got to college... These guys knew a l- way more than I did. They had the CDs, and they had Flood and Apollo 18 yeah. and John Henry. And I started listening to their CDs, and I was like, wow. This so is- in co- your college years, was John Henry the newest then? It had like- to have been, because it was 95 when I started. Sure. And then... So then Factory Showroom came out. Yeah, Factory Showroom came out, and yeah. that was my first concert. Nice. I, it was in Chicago... And again, my friends organized it. They said, hey, Jared, they're playing in Chicago. We should go see it. Uh, okay, okay, Mr. Yeah. Shelter, do, never yeah. been to a show, never been to a big city. A rock and or roll show? Yeah. <laughs> and so I remember so much about it because we actually, like, I rode the, the uh, what's the? The Metra or the L? Yeah, it's the L to, that goes by Wrigley Field. The Blue Line? I think it? it's the Blue Line, yeah. But that's where it was because it was at the Cabaret Metro. The Metro! Yeah. I spent so much, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. Ah. I went to punk rock shows there a couple times a month. I spent a <laughs> lot of time at the Metro. So you the know. The Metro is great. So that was a good venue for my first show? Yeah, hell yeah. That's good. A, that's a great size for They Might Be Giants. Cause, yeah. And so it was 95? No, this, this was in 97 okay. when I actually went to that show. So they were still but Electra. It, I'm surprised they were playing a place that small. It was, But it was factory showroom, so it was nearing the end. Sure. But uh, yeah. anyway, yeah. so I went to that show and... As you, I don't know if you read the reviews that were still online of that show, but uh, oh yeah, they're that's... they're salvaged because uh, I posted it on some other website many moons ago, and uh-huh. TMBW.net saved all of those reviews. You could just find it. It's yeah, October nineteen ninety seven. I'm just gonna go click your link here. Uh, let's see. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Oh, I meant to read this, and then and then they have they even have the set list, which I didn't keep track of this i just because i didn't know a lot of the songs they played i they opened with i am not your broom they opened in in acapella just oh, it was complete darkness and then all the lights came on and both john said oh broom you must now sweep for me the dust it fills my room <laughs> oh, and then uh, yeah all that stuff james k polk the confetti cannons didn't go off until later in the song and so Flansburg was frantically kind of, you know, got to get <laughs> this confetti working. that they come, yeah. And they did the puppet heads at the, the Wait, giant he was the one fiddling with them? They didn't have, there wasn't... Well, he was getting the guy, road the roadie, guy? to, okay, to take care of it. You know, Flansburg is yeah. the, the take care of everything guy. Oh, yeah, but I figured he, he'd, yeah, he'd be like, you, go <laughs> fix that. And then they did uh, No One Knows My Plan with the conga line. And again, the... Imagine <laughs> having never been to a rock show before, and he's compelling everyone to conga. And so I said, all right, when in Rome. So we congaed, yeah. and uh, the conga line kept was kind of snaking around and went into yeah. the lobby. Uh-huh. I found myself- Down the stairs? In the lobby, down the stairs. Wow. And then all of a sudden, we looked at each other like, oh, crap. The show's up there. How did we get in the lobby? <laughs> and all of a I, yeah. sudden, people realized it, and there was like a mad rush of people stopping Konging and <laughs> running back into the stage. And, and the, for the rest of it, I was in the back of the room because all the Konging had, had rotated everyone yeah. from the front of the stage to the back. Oh, so The Metro is great. Yeah, I am, I'm just growing up in the punk rock scene. I do not like going to concerts where I have to sit down. Mm. These days, I'm to the age where right, I'm going to need to go sit down for a while. But I still like to be in a at concerts where it's just general admission. Yeah, because being able to get up 
to the, I mean, there's there's a fine line because I used to go to shows where even as a, a young kid, like I wouldn't get up to the front because you'd get smashed. Hmm. Um, but I mean, I went to some pretty wild shows, and for those, like I was never, you know, I I I'd, I'd throw down in the mosh pit on occasion, but I was never that guy. Hmm. I wasn't that aggro guy. Um, and I was listening to They Might Be Giants all the, all, all through that, like in, in in parallel to all the the crazy pop punk stuff I was listening to, um, and. The Metro is, like, the perfect size. I want to say it's, like, 1,200 cap. So, like, it's not super tiny, but and there there's aren't no any, seats. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no seats, seats in the balcony. There. There's seats in the balcony. Yeah. But more like tables with chairs than, like, rows of seats. It was an old theater that I assume had chairs at some right. point. Um, but it's one of those really cool-looking... Um, does the Metro have the opera boxes on the sides? Or am I thinking of the Riviera? I don't remember. The Riviera but this, is a little bigger. But the strange thing is... But, the, but being able to conga, you can conga quite freely in a place like right. the Metro there's, because there's nothing in the way. You can't conga in a theater. And, yeah. And it's upstairs. So there's, there's stairs that go down on either side that kind of converge in the middle going all the way down to the bottom where did back then well yeah i would have been going to shows around the same time they'd have the, the merch thing right by the front door mm-hmm. that would just total bottleneck the entire place because <laughs> no one wants to carry around their t-shirt or their vinyl or whatever during the show so everyone would converge on this little merch nook <laughs> and you just couldn't get out of there it was a total fire hazard <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot about that. Looking back, as a college student, you never noticed that stuff. No. But, uh, but I went to a show recently in Philadelphia, and just for the kick of it, I wanted to be up front. I wanted to be right on yeah. the stage. And so here I was as a 40-year-old man and with all these teenagers, you know, right up front, yeah! But the problem is, then the PA goes over your head. Yeah. And so I, the, I heard the show through Dan Miller's guitar amp rather than the PA. So I was like, yeah. this sounds really not as good as I thought it would. But yeah. it was still a great show because yeah. it's always a good show. Yeah. Um, yeah. But be- anyway. Be- so being being familiar with, with audio stuff yourself as well and knowing, you know, when something sounds good and when it doesn't. It's, uh, yeah, rock clubs in general, too much bass, too much, well, bass oh, tones. Yeah bass tones and there's very few places i feel like that know how to mix the giants right i mean i think they might these days are they torn with their own sound guy they probably are i feel like when i saw them in indie did you see them last spring Mm -mm. at the vogue um they actually sounded really good but like you want to hear marty's kick drum but you don't want like to feel like your chest is going to cave in. Right. I have and, a feeling a lot yeah. of sound guys nowadays have long-term hearing damage. Oh, of course. And so they mix it for their own ears, <laughs> which are completely non-functional. And our ears, which are pristine and functioning, are sacrificed at mm. the the altar of bass. Yeah. And, uh, and anyway. I, I'm the kind of guy that wears foam earplugs because I tried, oh, yeah. Me I too. tried the fancy earplugs and they let through too much of the high frequency and that's what damages your, he- your hearing. Hmm. And when I go to a show, I want to be able to enjoy it, but I would like to be able to go home and hear the studio recording in the full spectrum of the sound. So if, if, if you want to hear the cymbals crashing at their highest frequencies at the show fine but pretty soon you won't be able to hear the cymbals crashing on the album when you get yeah, home because right. you'll lose all those frequencies <laughs> so and after the show this review is amazing here i'm looking this yeah here's the, the conga line it's so naive like i said i wrote it when i was in college so i oh it's pretty yeah i can't believe they so, started with lie still a little bottle did you listen to that episode yet with friends nikolai no it's the most recent episode oh i am not your broom you mean oh yeah i'm not your broom never mind i'm yeah. not your broom um yeah, did and you they, listen to that one? Yeah, because we discovered halfway through, or even more than halfway through, that it was written in 1997. So you saw them play it, right, in and, 1997, and they changed the tune because it was "Oh Susanna." Yeah, and I'm sure when they recorded it on an album, they're like, "Oh Susanna's, we need to copyright this, so we need to have it our tune and not Stephen Foster's." Well, so, yeah, yeah, I suppose there probably still is Stephen Foster's uh, estate probably still has some sort of copyright on it. It's probably not public domain, actually. Now that I think about it, plus I think Stephen Foster is now racist. Like you can't sing his songs because they're racist. <sighs> 
So, but anyway, let's not talk you know, about that. I think as far you, as musical, everybody <laughs> was racist back then. Right. I, I think the uh, the significance of Stephen Foster is that he was one of the first guys to actually think that he should be allowed to claim credit on songs. Mm. And that is that was very important because up till then, no one knew who wrote the songs. And it was kind of just like music was something you just passed down. And yeah, it's a community effort, but like it's art. And artists sign their paintings. Musicians should should sign their songs. And he was basically the first, like, pop musician in that he became a popular figure even during his lifetime because he's like, I wrote these songs. These are yeah. good songs. I wrote them. <laughs> and and we're still singing them to this day. Yeah. So he must have been successful. Campton racist. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, after that show, I really delved into it big time. I really became obsessive with... I could. Anything I could find, I would get. And that's where the yeah. early internet comes in. Because there were pages, web pages, just made by fans like you and me. Yeah. Where they would post stuff like, I recorded this at a concert, or this, here's a scan of a magazine, or, you know, here's stuff I got off Dial-A-Song. And so I just sucked all this stuff up and, and saved it on, you know, CDRs or hard drives or, <laughs> yeah. or zip disks or whatever I could find. <laughs> zip disk, oh, that's zip 100, disk. 100 megabytes, man. That's a lot. Oh, yeah, those so, were the thing when I was in college. Yeah, so I graduated high school in 99. So when I was in college, I was in college in the Mink Car era. Uh-huh. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love it so much. And, yeah, zip disks, I remember we had the big um, colorful iMacs mm, yes. that were, I mean, obviously it was the deep screen, you know, it was pretty mm-hmm. flat screen, but they were all different colors and they had the big ass slot for the zip disks. Yeah. I think my zip disk is still around here from somewhere. <laughs> and if I could find a way to look at what's on there, I'm sure it'd be Ooh, quite embarrassing. That's, that would be some archaeology, I'm sure. Yeah, man. But they, I also went, uh, frequented FTP servers, which mm. again, this is pre-Napster, pre-really anything People found ways to trade these MP3s, and one yeah. of them was FTP, File Transfer Protocol. You basically host a file server at yeah. your home. Yeah, and I never would, really knew about that. Stuff. No, it was very again Tech. for going to for going to a Christian school was like, ooh, I'm stealing this stuff from an FTP server because <laughs> a lot of them you had to upload something to get something back there was a ratio like you a three to one ratio you had to upload three things to get one thing because i was kind of like that yeah and so you had to share i i had i uploaded a lot of crap to get a lot of (laughs) what i really wanted yeah and i saved all of it and i'm so glad i did of course now it's all on youtube and and there's no mystery to it and uh but that was the era of of when i became a fan of 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 the guys and Seeing the show, learning the thing, I went to see the documentary, uh, yeah. Gigantic. Yeah, it premiered in Florida. So, so I went to two thousand one, Yeah, it was two thousand two because it portrays two thousand one. Yeah, all the Mink Car stuff was so, the new stuff on that. Um, but then again, as fate would have it, living in Florida, working in a retirement community, I kind of <laughs> I had to abandon popular music of the time because I had to focus on things that they found yeah. uh, like Bob Hope and Frank Sinatra and, sure. and Lawrence Welk and basically Accordion. all of that. <laughs> <laughs> <Lawrence> <laughs> yes, Welk. right, exactly, <laughs> which is great for you. But uh, but yeah, that's kind of my, my fandom for any popular music at all, I have to be honest, started to drift away the more and more I worked there. And so now you met, you asked me about the more recent releases. I, I don't. I mean, I'm sure Man, if I listened to it, so it would be good. enjoyable. Yeah. But I just don't. I don't have the same level of expertise as I did back then, which is why I chose a song from the earlier era. I I, I really think you should start. I mean, especially with Spotify, even with the free account and with YouTube, you could you could right. go and just listen through all that and buy it later if you want. Because I'm telling you, I like fun. Um, from last year. Memory Remains is good, but I Like Fun is an excellent album. I mean, it's one of their best of this century. They've been a band for long enough. Right. You, you can like century. break it down to like pre-2000 yeah, and post-2000. Well, and there's stuff that bubbles up that I that I happen to notice, like yeah. uh, uh, I Left My Body yeah. or um, the stuff they did with Homestar Runner 
you know, I, oh, that I, was I, 2004, man. Well, again, it's, <laughs> I, I'm really dating myself now, aren't I? A lot of the stuff I saw in Philly in 2014, I don't know what that, uh, that was probably the, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, it's yeah. all good. I'm, what I'm saying is yeah. that I, I don't delve into it the way I did obsessively back then. I just enjoy it. I now. think it's, it's just something that happens uh, when, I don't know. I mean, there's not a hard line. It kind of depends how much you're willing to dig. But once you get into your 30s, 40s, it's like people start, you know, other things are taking your time. Yeah. And even with the internet, it takes some work to, like, be on top of music. I mean, if you listen to, like, pop radio or whatever, you're going to hear the biggest hits, but you're not going to discover some, like, cool unknown band. If you're scouring the blogs for you know, an hour every day, you'll stay on top of it. But people don't have that kind of time when, the, you know, well, that's families the other, and careers yeah, and blah, that, blah, blah. That's the other thing that's changed is that popular music really doesn't exist anymore. Now it's all sub-genres of things. <laughs> yeah. And so obsessive yeah. fandom is kind of the norm because you can't just, oh, well, let me listen to Top 40. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a joke. So That would be a lame existence yeah. if that's all you listen to. But what's there even, are people like that. Yeah, but what's even greater is that you and I can have a discussion about one band. One song. With one song. <laughs> and, and have it be substantive in the same way that pop music was substantive in the the pre-internet era. So the internet is not all bad. In fact, it has quite a bit of good. I bet there's a song by song Beatles podcast. There's probably more than one. Oh, there are several Beatles podcasts. For sure. They have their own XM radio station. So, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> now, is it run by anyone affiliated with... It is. is the, it is? It's run by Apple, yes. Wow. Yeah. Not so, Apple computers. No. You kids. Apple Core. <laughs> Oh, man. So should we talk about this song? I guess. I mean, it has it's only been, been a long? half hour. <laughs> <laughs> We're only 34 minutes in. we got to vamp more. If they perform live, still a little bottle. I'm pretty sure they still just do it with the Johns. Yeah, because... Even now. I don't know if they do the stick anymore. They do. They do still do yeah, the stick? Yeah, okay. I, I, I looked at a few kind of recent YouTube clips. Uh, it's the chance... You know, you've been with bands in a long time. There are parts where you just got to give the drummer a rest <laughs> yeah. or give the rhythm section a rest and just do a solo thing or mm -hmm. something. Yeah, if the set's over an hour. Right. And so that's what's happening now with yeah. this. It's just John and John and the stick. I have to tell your audience, for people that don't know, that when they perform this live, again, I saw this in 97. Yeah. Flansburg has this giant, it's the stick. It's basically about... And it is like a tree branch, right? Because it's it not... Like, you could say a stick... It's not a big like a dowel rod. Yeah. It is a branch from a tree it's that is knots. like three inches thick, yeah. and it's twice as tall as he is, and they <laughs> duct tape a lapel mic to the bottom of it. Like, <laughs> he told us that it's... They looked for the oldest, crappiest mic they could find. Sure. Duct tape it to the bottom, and then get like a concrete slab... <laughs> And he bangs the bottom of the stick on the slab, and that sound goes through the mic, and they process it with all this distortion and noise gating so sure. that it ends up sounding like a synth drum hit going through this big, yeah. crunchy distortion. And plenty of reverb. And it's loud, man. Yeah. They make it as loud as they could possibly do, which is kind of weird because the recorded version, the only percussion is snapping. Yeah. And so yeah. it's very light percussion in the song, but when they do it live... Last do boop do boop and it's just check out those waveforms you got right there, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid those are going to clip, my that, friend. Oh, they were. <laughs> you, you 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 went red there. So just red. imagine what it's like if 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 that clips. Imagine what it's like live. So and, now I'm I'm looking at the credits for this, and it says drums Kenneth Nolan. Does that mean he did the snaps? Oh no, there is a drum part because there's a drum roll. Oh yeah, in the middle of it. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. yeah, so... A little buzz roll there, they, that's right. Everything else, they used a drum machine, but the, yeah, you can't do a drum roll on a drum machine. I love so. that Flansburg plays the trumpet on this. I trumpet? Know, I want to know how much he actually plays the trumpet, I think only for effect 
and stabs like like they'll show them in videos like in birdhouse they like pop up and they're like they have a trumpet um and like in guitar he's playing two trains they show him playing two trumpets right. at once but uh, I'm, oh no it's I think just it's like it's like boom. no it's one of those yeah one of those freeform jazz odysseys where yeah. they just play anything they want like he doesn't like really know how to play helter skelter see here's a crossover <laughs> on helter skelter um i think it was john lennon played saxophone and he didn't know how to play saxophone. So by the end of Helter Skelter, there's this kind of wailing going yeah. on in the background. <laughs> it's just they're all high on drugs and they just grab whatever's around and yeah. start blowing into it. And so I'm sure that's what they did on this song. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think for effects, sometimes they'll play stuff they don't know. Like, what's the, oh, what's the one? It's on Miscellaneous T. It's on, it's a B side from the early stuff where Linnell plays guitar. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, swing is the swing is the word, or uh, the Where big like, big hordem. It's like mainstream USA. That's mainstream what it is. USA is the one. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that I'm correct in remembering <laughs> that Linnell plays the guitar in that one. Um, you know what dawned on me when we were talking about um, crossovers is that I haven't even mentioned like I know this, but I should make sure our listeners know that they will have already heard the Fingertips episode mm. by then. So they'll have heard, this is the Jared Pike that you heard doing uh, the mashup of Fingertips and Beatles. But yeah, so this is the same the same guy emailed me, uh, went to the live, don't let's start, and I'm like, oh, you're local? <laughs> well, okay. So now he's uh, in my basement recording Lie Still Little Bottle. So... Kenneth Nolan on the drums, he's not even clickable on the wiki, which means he didn't do anything else for the band. Because if he did even one other thing with the band, he'd be able to click on his name. That's how extensive this is. Uh, the bass saxophone, John yeah. Linnell, of course, because uh, he just wants to play the largest saxophone. <laughs> I love Barry Sax and, and, and bass sax. I've never yeah. played a bass sax. I've played a Barry Sax. you you got to have some some stamina some you gotta have some physical strength to just hold that thing you know for being a fairly slim uh a a slender dude linnell can really honk man yeah and uh so it's just quite a sight to see them play this live because you know linnell as you said is is kind of this thin guy with this giant horn and flansburg is holding this giant stick and <laughs> it's just a spectacle beyond all spe- spectacles. Yeah. And uh, the song itself, can we get into kind of the yeah. lyrics and the, the... Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk lyrics. Because really the, the instrumentation is so minimal. Right. That, uh, I mean, I, I'd like, it's, it makes it stand out because it's so minimal. But well, yeah, let's get to the lyrics. It's, it's something they did a lot, which is the kind of secret agent motif they did a lot of spy type songs yeah. like Hotel Detective, Hotel Detective. Mm-hmm. and S-E-X-X-Y. Spy. And uh, <laughs> Spy, of course. Uh, they really came back to that well a lot. They all sound different, but they kind of are born of that, you know, that genre of music that was kind of, oh, we saw a movie with, you know, we saw Shaft or something and yeah, we needed yeah, a, yeah. a song like that. They like swinging now and then. Yeah. They like so to swing. You can, if you have in your head a music video of this song, it's guys wearing raincoats kind of walking through a dark alley wearing a fedora and uh coming upon this thing and and then it goes into what the song is about which is drugs it's this guy talking to a pill bottle and (laughs) and kind of coming to terms with all right i need to take drugs but i don't want to but i need to and his hands are shaking well, and, and this is what I love. I love the lyrics of this song more than anything. I'm, gl- I'm glad I picked this song because Lie Still Little Bottle and Shake My Shaky Hand. I, when you shake someone's hand, yeah. you know, that's a greeting. But it's also your hand is shaking. It means that you're either on drugs or you need to take drugs. So I kind <laughs> well, of hear some it. some people's it, hands shake because you, you could be nervous. But in, yeah. this, in this case, I am... So and then he says black coffee Assuming, yes. is, is not enough for me. When you drink a lot of coffee, your hands start to shake because yeah. you're full of caffeine. Jittery. Yeah. So one pill at the bottom. But the the best part is the second verse. You know, there's no time for metaphors, cried the little pill to me. And then life is a placebo, which is a metaphor. 
So he, he they do this a lot where they say, we're not going to do this. And then here it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's no time for metaphors. Oh, by the way, here's a metaphor. <laughs> Life is a placebo. Masquerading as a simile. Which is a simile. Masquerading <laughs> as a simile, like or as, is a simile. So th- it's lines like that where when you're a teenager, you know, I, there's a, in the documentary when Ira Glass was talking about why they become popular to a certain age group. Yeah. It's because when you're that age and you get those lines and you start to understand them, and you're like, wow, you know, <laughs> you just want to be the most cleverest person yeah. in your seventh grade classroom. Yeah. And by reciting these lines, you by kind of absorbing their cleverness into you and reflecting it back, you, mm. you can be as clever as they are. Yeah, and this is one of those lines. Yeah, life is there, a placebo. Yeah. Within yeah, within two lines, there's no time for metaphors. Cried the little pill to me. He said, "Life is a placebo, masquerading as a simile." Is like that is like the if a high school poetry student right. could actually put together something <laughs> that like it's in the style of high school poetry but it's actually well written because the johns know what they're doing but the way they play with the words and throw around just yeah the, the fact that they're <laughs> that and they're saying there's no metaphors and then there's a metaphor like you said it's like uh look at how clever i am but it is very clever because that's the <laughs> other that's the other thing this song sounds like is a beatnik poetry yeah. reading because they do snaps yeah. you know at Groovy, these things yeah. and you have a, a bass and snaps, and that's what you get at these kind of poetry slams, poetry readings <laughs> from the 60s. And so you can picture him reading this song as a, as a poem. Uh, oh, yeah. So, okay, we knew the pill was lying, too gregarious, too nice. So as he walked, I had to sing this twice. I think he's just coming up with rhymes at this point. I don't know if there's yeah, any maybe. significance. Yeah. yeah. But uh, don't twist it ain't twist in time. It's the twisting off of the cap Opening the of bottle. the pill bottle. Mm-hmm. With every move you make, it just disintegrate my ever-troubled mind. And then, boom, it goes into this freeform jazz odyssey. <laughs> they... <laughs> yeah, so... And I like that, too, because in a lot of their early songs, they established these rhythms that you could just hear the rhythm itself and know instantly what the song is. Oh, yeah. Like, if you, if you heard... Right, you know instantly you know it's what's Anna Ng. yeah, it's Anna Ng right. or uh, um, uh, they'll need a crane. Do 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 Yeah, don't let it start. So this is one of those. Dun 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 dun. That's a rhythm you just don't hear in a pop song. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's very um, again, like I'm 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 you know, making a pitch for them being a post-punk band, you can kind of go along with that as, like, they probably more often get lumped in with with New Wave, but even then they're more artsy than that. But they do have a lot of similarities to the cooler New Wave bands. Like, I mean, Devo is kind of their own thing. Sure. Devo, the Feelies, like, uh, Talking Heads, in that they have some of those jerky rhythms. So even within this cool, cool swinging song, they're still going (laughs) to get to a part where it's like... It's like a robot malfunctioning, you know? Right. <laughs> like, they, they can't be too cool swinging for too long. They got to get weirder. And again, when they play this live, in that middle part, again, it's just Linnell on sax and, and Flansburg on the stick. Mm-hmm. So when you get to that part, he's banging that stick on the stage. Dun, 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 dun. And everybody is cheering because it's so loud yeah. and so obnoxious, but it's so great. And then when he gets to the ta, 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 Sorry, sorry, puppy. Leela's concerned about the noise you're making. Uh, so, yeah, and then it just eases back into the the, the final verse. It's okay. So, sorry for yelling yeah. at you, puppy. Yeah, yeah it, it's funny. She she does stuff like that too. When I uh, make weird noises at the baby, trying to get <laughs> Zinnia to laugh, you know, Leela's like, "What are you doing? Why are you making that noise?" Yeah. Um, yeah, this this it is a gr- this is a great song. It's one of those examples of, um, like they might be giants, especially in their duo era, were really good at using minimalism. Yes, um, and they still do it. Every once in a while, they'll, they'll throw in a song like, I mean, did you did you hear the title track of I Like Fun? Did you hear yeah. the song I Like yeah, Fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's got um, contra alto clarinet, uh, drums, a sampled vocal. 
And Flansbury's vocal, and that's pretty much it. There's no guitar. There's no keyboard. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's uh, drums, contra alto clarinet, vocal, and then a sampled vocal. So, yeah, they had yeah, kind it's, of... It's just a really, it's really, um, they get it's a an lot efficient of, use of, of a very limited number of, of They get things. a lot out of sparse arrangements. And, and yeah. it just harkens back to when they were a duo and they had to perform live, they had to be sparse because there were only two guys. Mm-hmm. And, and the other part was with the stick... No one is ever going to forget, hey, this guy played up there with a giant stick, and they had the carpet hats. You yeah. know, they had all these props early on that you would remember, the giant hands from, from yeah. Puppet Head. Yeah. And uh, so that was one of them. And, and again, it worked on me, because I still remember it to this day. I can see oh, it and hear it. They're, they're, they're showmen. I'm looking at on the wiki at the guitar tab right now, and I like looking at songs that don't have guitar in it, looking at the guitar tab. <laughs> so here, what you have here is a guitarist's nightmare, B-flat minor, D-flat, C, E-flat minor, and F. Those are great saxophone notes. Right. This is a key, as a band guy who's, whose first instrument was trombone, this sounds just fine to me, um, <laughs> but to a guitarist, even to a keyboardist, like getting so many black keys in there, you know, it would probably be easier on keyboard than on guitar. But either way, like it makes a lot of sense for a band instrument, um, not as much sense for a guitarist. Like I'd probably capo that if I wanted to play on guitar, I'd figure out where to capo it. Um, and but Flans it's in is, B flat minor. Yeah, Flans that is not is a key not that rock the, bands right in. He's not the most expert guitar player, so I love his that, style. That, that's why he chose the stick. You know, <laughs> he let Linnell have a song in B flat minor, and I'll just play stick alongside. You know, it would be interesting to know what would a guitar version sound like. I, d- I don't even know. See, this is what I'm telling you. We we need to make we one. We should cover it. And you know, I th- I think that uh, is a good good time to go ahead and give this a quick Google because I did do. A precursory um, Google here and couldn't find anything very easily. Here, though, we have... Okay, let's check this out. Lie Still Little Bottle, piano cover. Piano cover. Uh Uh-huh. And this guy's name is... (laughs) A Human Called Smithy. Skip ahead to the weird yeah. part and see what he does. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, that was quite loud in our ears, but I like, again, this is one of those things where I like that they weren't trying to make it. Uh, distorted poor quality but the fact that the microphone on what the i mean this is 2014 so it probably was a cell phone right um that didn't have the greatest quality picture or microphone and so it made those piano chords almost sound like a distorted guitar (laughs) it it made it sound like the stick quite frankly (laughs) so that was pretty cool a human called smithy that was pretty cool and that that person only used their left hand for the entire thing, there wasn't. Yeah. They didn't. It wasn't fleshed out with chords or anything. It's just playing the bass note. But I found another one. There's another one. I found is this one. from the tribute album? This is by the Puppet Heads. Hmm. This is just from last year. Last year, little bottle, and shake my shaky hand. Coffee's not enough for me. I need a better friend. One pill at the bottom is singing my favorite song. This is well recorded. I know I must investigate. I hope that I can see. Alright, you got along. some jazzy brush yeah. drums, you got the upright no bass. Let's again skip forward to the weird part. To me. Come on, what are you gonna do? My ever troubled mind. Thank you. 
that sampled sax? No. No, Something that about can't that be sounded real. like a keyboard. It's got to be a keyboard. It sounded like a really good MIDI uh, sample of a saxophone. Yeah. Uh, but but the, overall, the, it's I'll good. give it a thumbs up. It, yeah, what, what that tells me is that you could sing this as a legitimate jazz song. Yeah. You could have a legit jazz trio with piano-based drums and play this song in a jazz club, and no one would know the difference until you got to the middle part. Uh, and even then... It would still be, no one would know that this was a giant song. Okay, here we go. Is this just bass and vocal? Marceline Leibovitz and Marceline uh, featuring Mike on bass. <laughs> Mike who? I don't know. This is just from a couple months ago. Oh. They read our minds. 26 views. I give them all a thumbs <laughs> you, up. You give thumbs up. That's cool. I'm I'm digging the this room here. This is like a seventies the red room. Yeah, the red room's got the wood, wood paneling. like the fact that they it gives you an opportunity to just go crazy for just a few measures you know every band needs that every once in a while just one of those things where anyone can play anything just go crazy before you get back on the beat and 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 the melody so i think we've come to that point in the show where i'm going to make you score the song now this song seems to have a lot of uh personal importance to you as as a big moment in your first show uh, of they might be giants, so um, which but is I don't why know, maybe you'll give it a two. I don't know. What, no, no, what, no. What do you think? <laughs> it, it's that's why it's difficult to score because yeah. for me, the performing of a song is just as much to do as the composing of it. You know, listening to it on in through headphones versus watching it live. Yeah, you know, they all kind of get mixed together. They all have their different aspects, but overall, the 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 song is composed well. It has super duper clever lyrics that you want. Oh man, I wish yeah. I had written that, you yeah. know. And it's short. It only has a little bit to it, but it's good. And so I will give it an eight point zero one, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven. Nine. There you go. I haven't had enough people playing with the uh, yeah the loose nature of my scoring. Uh, so let's see. Right now, I'm looking at my spreadsheet of scores. And I don't come up with my scoring, my score of the songs until I talk to my guest uh, because I want to talk it out. And and lots of times, I mean, most of the time it makes me appreciate the song even more because the guest is the one that picks it. If I, if it's not already one of my favorite songs, I kind of let them try to convince me. Yeah. Um, and I would say that I agree with you that the... Um, just the fact that there's all of this other stuff that goes along with the song, like it's not just another song on the album. It's one that is well known and loved amongst fans and widely requested live because of those elements. So it could have just been like, you know, a filler track on an album. You know, it's uh, I mean, where where is it in the track list? It's it's in the middle. <sighs> and again, I have the memory of listening to that tape. And you get to all these crazy songs, and then there's like a pause when you get to Lie Still, Little Bottle. It's a, it's a point of the, the concert of your mind where it's just, let's, we're bringing it down. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, it's track three, actually. Why was I oh. thinking it was later? Hmm. So it's after uh, Anna Ng, which is like a dark kind of real rocker. Um, then Cowtown then is Cowtown, a little loony. Goofy and Toe Tapper. Yeah. And then Lie Still, yeah, they kind of bring then, it back down and then hit you with Purple Toupee. So it's between two really goofy songs. Yeah. So it almost is like a little break of a track, a little breather. Yeah. In its minimalism and its tempo. 
Um, but it is, it's a very unique song, and I think the live element has kept it alive more than it were if it were just um, just another album track. I mean, not that not how would I know, you know, if they'd keep playing it live if the <laughs> stick hadn't been right. a thing that they came up with. Um, but it has all this other stuff that goes along with it, not just a studio track. Um, so I think. But I can't say it's one that's uh, really like I, if I made a playlist that was an hour long, only an hour, it probably wouldn't make it on there. And that's a lot of what I think about because they have so many songs. Like if you have to really narrow it down, like an hour long playlist, you're going to get a lot of songs in there because their songs are short. Um, um, so you know, would this be in my top fifty? Probably not. That seems kind of harsh, but they have like 800 songs. Right. So, you know, I can't rank it too highly because I got to think about all the other songs I'm going to have to rank. So I think I'm going to go... What'd you give it? 8.012345678989. Yes. Okay. I'm going to give it a... Let's see. I don't know. I think it's got to be lower You're than not going to hurt K. my Polk. feelings because... I as I know, as you said, there are songs that you would listen to, and there are songs that if you were performing them, you definitely go for. And I think this I'm going to go that latter category. So I think I'm going to go six point six. Okay, that makes sense in whatever crazy system you just invented. Well, it's it's <laughs> it's right above the untitled track with Gloria. Okay, <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> Where do you hear that one? <laughs> oh, oh, the answering machine. The answering oh, machine. I can't wait to hear that episode. It's it's a good one. <laughs> I won't tell you why. Um, but it's it's below slightly below hypnotist. It's slightly below Yeah, I I had to I gave Polk a seven point one apparently. Um by the time this airs people will know that, but I think I like Polk better. So Lifestyle's gotta go below that. So six point six. And uh it, it it's a good song, but again, um, live, yes, I would request it. On a playlist, maybe it wouldn't make it on there. Which is, wait, makes total sense. So uh, thanks again for being on, Jared. Is there anything you want to plug? You're not much of the, the social media guy except for in your work, but is there anything you want to plug, like your yes. YouTube channel? Yes, absolutely. I, I am not a professional musician, but I do, just for fun, a YouTube channel of Beatles mashups where I take an old Beatles song, the, I take the tune of a, of a new Beatles song and put the old lyrics to it. So I kind of mash two of them together. And you're, you're <clears> new <throat> as in like 69, 70. Sorry, well, I, I don't want to say <laughs> recent, you know, anyway. They reunited? But, yeah. Actually, <laughs> the one I'm working now is Free as a Bird, so it is kind of reuniting. But anyway, if you go to BeatlesMedleys.com, you can scroll through all the Beatles videos that I have done. I just record them in my basement like you do. They sound good. And uh, I do videos good. as well because that's my job is video. And if you scroll to some of the older ones, you'll find the Beatles They Might Be Giants mashup yep. with fingertips. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Venn diagram of, of Beatles, uh, you know, Giants fans who are also Beatles fans is very large. Oh, I have yeah. a feeling the Venn diagram of Beatles fans who are also Giants fans not as large. <laughs> so I, I think the Beatles, there there are some parallels there. And yeah, pretty much every band, rock band after the Beatles is sure. influenced by the Beatles, whether they want to say so or not. But um, they were primarily a pop and rock band uh, to start. But then they got weird. It's almost like they turned into like duo era. They might be Giants. <laughs> like at the end, they had a reverse thing. Yeah. Like the Giants still are weird, but they're probably more than 50% pop now right where at the beginning it was probably more than 50 percent weird and so the beatles kind of did the opposite you know where you start getting the revolution number nines towards the end of the career where that's something that the giants would have put on their first album <laughs> right i went to i went to see you two for the first time and they mentioned in uh that the 90s were their psychedelic period. Sure. They said, here's a song from our psychedelic period when it was, <laughs> when it was you know, Zoo TV and, and all that stuff. And yeah. then they went back to when they were just wearing a leather jacket. You know? Sure, yeah. So, yeah, the, the Giants have their eras. The Beatles have their eras. Every band does that. That, yeah. that mm -hmm. you know. Whatever you're into is in influencing your music and uh, you, you, you get on a certain kick and then maybe you'll go back or maybe you get on a different kick. 
Yeah. So thanks for picking this song. I love being able to talk about um, that the first live show. That was, that was a great story. And people should go read that review. If you look at Lie Still a Little Bottle on the wiki, you'll find uh, Jared's review from 1997. <laughs> and uh, that's that's an awesome piece of history, and that's cool that it's on the wiki. That's really yeah. awesome. All right. So thanks for being on, and uh, we'll see you again for um, uh, Shoehorn with Teeth, right? Yes. Yeah. And I'm excited about that yeah. one. Yeah. Cool. We'll see y'all later. Thanks again, Jared. Bye-bye. Please join us on Twitter at This Might Be a Pod. Facebook.com slash This Might Be a Podcast. Email me, This Might Be a Pod at Gmail. And you can leave voicemails at 224-801-2930. If you really like what you're hearing and you want to support the pod, please visit us at Patreon.com slash this might be a podcast to uh, donate and get some exclusive content and some merch thanks again for listening everybody Last